Okay, so we said we'd be back for tenant spoilers because we were going to see it a second time. Um, so I guess I want to start off by saying I have seen the movie three times now, I would say. Fuck? Yeah, once without you, sorry. But um, I've seen it twice with Brian, and then I saw it once with a group of friends. And so I have seen this movie three times, and that is probably the only amount I am going to see it. Because while I do like Nolan movies, I'm not going to just, like, rewatch the same thing over and over again. Like, yeah, it's the only thing in theaters right now, or The New Mutants. But, like, I don't want to dedicate my time to just going out and seeing the same movie. So I'll wait a while till stuff pops up on VOD. And plus, October's around the corner. There's some cheese, uh, cheesy horror films that are coming out. But, uh, anyways, so, Tenet. What do I got to say after revisiting this movie three times? All I got to say is that this movie is probably either a top five or at least six tier movie for me on my Nolan list. Because I would say I still like Inception the best. I still really like Memento. I like The Dark Knight. I really like Interstellar. The Prestige maybe a little bit. Like, there's a lot that I have to think about, obviously, before I just kind of finalize where I put it. I'd say it's in that 5-6 tier right now, but uh, this is still a good movie. Um, I will admit all of the criticism that's been going around it right now is pretty fair because some people say, the audio is horrible. I can't understand what people are saying. That's completely fair. I still struggle like three times around understanding what people are saying in this movie. Its narrative is too disjointed. It doesn't explain a lot of things that happen in the universe. That's also fair because the movie doesn't want you to try to understand it. It wants you to feel Tenet. It wants you to feel Inversion and the universe. Like, there's a lot of fair uh, criticisms that are going on out now, uh, out there, but for the people that are just straight up saying, I didn't understand it, so I didn't like it, that's not really a great criticism because that just means you didn't pay attention to the movie because you can follow it a fair majority. I will admit, there are some parts that are extremely vague or not explained at all in any way, shape, or form. But I still like this movie. I think there's some things I disliked about it after seeing it now three times. But Brian, uh, this was the second time. What were your impressions coming out after the first? Uh, or I, second. I, uh, I, I liked it the second time around, too. Um, I will say that I was able to put a lot more attention towards it because I wasn't sick yeah. when I was watching it this time. Uh, I think I kind of feel the same about the movie as I did the first time, for the most part. Uh, I'm just glad I was able to consume more of it uh -huh. and be coherent for the most part for the whole movie. Yeah, so to get right into spoilers, because yes, this is the spoiler review, so if you're here listening for spoilers, um, go back to Spoiler Free, because we're going to basically ruin the whole movie for you. But um, start off with spoilers, the movie opens up with the opera scene that you saw in like the 10-minute clip if you went and saw Harley Quinn's Birds of Prey. Uh, so what I got to say is these first 10 minutes kind of set up a little bit of the universe. John David Washington is working undercover. He's going in. He's got to extract this person and there's also this device he has to get and so he goes in we see this entire scenario play out he gets the guy and then he ends up finding this little box and he has no clue what it is he doesn't know if it's plutonium a weapons grade massive destruction or something he just kind of is like i've never seen anything like this before well anyways there's a bunch of bombs that are synchronized around the theater he decides he wants to save everybody in the cheap seats from dying so he collects all of them but then he gets caught by one of the fbi members and an inverted bullet goes and hits one of the members and then we see somebody with a little orange tassel on his bag just run away after the inverted bullet went back to him john david washington escapes gets captured he gets interrogated he ends up killing himself rather than giving up his colleagues and what the mission was and it's pretty straightforward at the beginning easy to follow i would say for the most part um then the movie starts to set the stage of like okay you're presumed dead the CIA thinks you're dead. You now longer are you work for us now undercover. We have a combination called Tenet. You have to figure out what it means because we ourselves don't know what's going on. Things are coming from the future to the past and they're inverted. 
So this movie does a very good job of kind of setting that up at first, and then John David Washington ends up going to this girl that's been working on uh, basically studying inversion and these material M's that she gets from this wall. What we learn here basically is that we shouldn't try to understand how the bullets work or how the fusion works. Yeah. Just feel it. And I guess I'm all right with that. I would have liked if it kind of went more into like, well, how did they invert nuclear fission into these things? But like, it is better to just kind of shut your brain off and feel it a little bit. Feel the universe, feel how bullets are caught and how they're shot and stuff. It's a good setup, I would say. There's some importance in that scene. I don't know about you, but... Uh, I. I like that scene just because it does kind of, like, set up the whole, like, inv inversion thing. Yeah. Uh, it it does almost feel like the scene goes on a little bit too long yeah. because it just feels like they're being like, oh, look at look at this cool inversion stuff. She's playing with the bullet and stuff. And uh, at, at that point, I'm just like, okay, you've kind of explained it and gotten to the point. Can we move on to the, diff to the next scene? Now? Yeah. So after that, we kind of move around a little bit. He has to go and find this man named Andre Sater, and that's where, of course, Neil shows up, played by Robert Pattinson. The two of them kind of talk about how they're going to get in, talk about bungee jumping, go in. They discover it's actually a woman named Prita, or I think it was something like that. Something like that. Uh, and they find out she's been kind of running the operation. Well, she had been selling materials to Andre, having no clue, of course, that these uh, materials were going to be inverted by him in some way. So she's like, you need to investigate how he's doing this and why he's doing this and also why this uh, inversion thing is so prominent to him in his life and why he cares so much about inverting things. So John David Washington goes on this undercover mission, meets Michael Caine, gets some exposition, which we'll come back to in a little bit, goes on, meets Andre, and so... What I gotta say is all of the setup up till Andre is pretty good because we get a decent action scene where he goes and finds the wife and Kat is kind of giving an exposition dump like, uh, there was this painting, he bought it from me, it was a forgery, he uses the painting as a hold over me and my son, a lot of the things that happen in my life is controlled by him, I just want to escape, he made me a promise that if I were to go free I could never see my kid again and I lashed out at him so he controls me, and John David Washington's like, well you betrayed him once but let me have a chance to betray him, say, I'm a weapons grade plutonium dealer and I want to go into business with him and I would really like to meet your husband but of course we get into an action scene that's in this little kitchen area and John David Washington beats him up Andre kind of takes notice in him a little bit after she invites him to a dinner and the two of them bond a little bit more now let's get into Andre a little bit because I think the first time around we talked we were iffy on his acting at times it's very goofy the, the character of Andre I'm still kind of just like he, he's a basic Russian villain very James Bond-esque mm -hmm. Russian villain there. Uh, there's even a point in the movie where he gets mad and, like, turns around to yell at his wife. And it's it's very, like, comical because it's it it just sounds like he's putting the accent on way yeah. too thick. Uh, it's an English actor playing a Russian, which we should mention. So, you know, Nolan obviously could have uh, casted any Russian actor that he wanted to, but was like, no, I got a friend here that did Dunkirk. Why don't I just have him do this movie? I'm like, okay, I guess. But, like, it's very hammy at times. Now, why I like Andre is his motivation, because, like, what we didn't get into in the spoiler-free section is that he's dying of pancreatic cancer in this movie. And his philosophy is that if I can't have my wife after I'm gone and my child, nobody can. So his goal in the movie is to take this algorithm, which we'll explain here in a second, and seal it shut so that way when he dies, the algorithm goes up and time and space just collapses and everything is gone, basically. Yeah. 
And it's one of the better Nolan villains, I would say, I've felt that's been written before because you never see a Nolan villain that's like, I just want to end everything because my life is ending. Nobody can be happy if I'm not happy. And, like, you never got that sense with, like, let's say, the Joker, or you would never say that you got that sense with anything that's going on in, Inter in, in Interstellar because that movie's so existential about life itself. But, like, this is one of the first villains of the Nolan movies I would say I kind of felt a little bit bad for but also knew he's a psychopath. He's a terrible person because you shouldn't want to kill everybody else just because your life is in, uh, ending, but the man is hurting. He's an abusive father, obviously. He's not a great man at all, but like you do understand that there is a lot of pain that's built up in him, but you can't always relate to him in that way because he's just such a horrible human being. Yeah, uh, I, I can definitely see where you're coming from, where you say you, you do like the character because he is very like mm -hmm. end of the world, like esque. And I, I do like that about him, that he, he does have kind of like this almost like an ultimatum for the world by saying he's going to kill himself. Uh, just because he's dying of pancreatic cancer. And mm -hmm. that does eventually lead to the setup of the end of the movie, uh, mm -hmm. which we will end up getting into. Yeah. So, anyways, Andre in this movie gets his inverted materials through dead drops. So, those materials he's been buying from Preta in the movie, he has been putting in dead drops, burying, and then the future will, of course, invert them and bring them back, and that's how Andre sells the majority of his inverted materials in this movie. So, that was one of the better things, because when I watched the first time, I was like, did he say that they were encapsulated, and then he digs them back up, or did he just find them? And then I do discover in the movie, okay, it's inverted because he asks the future to do it for him, because he doesn't have the technology in the past. The future just provides. So another crazy thing about Andre's character in the movie is that the future has kind of handpicked him for this one event. So the algorithm is something that basically controls both facets of time, the inverted time and regular time. But regular time dominates. It swims upstream, so inverted time is always trying to catch up. That's why Andre in a lot of the movie doesn't know when an event is going to happen or like where a piece will be. He needs the future to tell him when this event will happen and when this piece will show up. So majority of the movie, he's one step ahead. Like, he knows about the painting that they go after in the airport at one point. He's He's like, the future told me to take that out because I knew it would be leverage against me. There's another point in the movie where there's this cool highway chase scene, and he realizes that the piece of the uh, algorithm is not in the box and that it disappeared at some point during the handoff. Yeah. And of course, during that, we discover John David Washington threw it into the car that ended up going uh, back or crashing. crashing and then he goes, yeah, and then he goes backwards into it and he discovers, oh, okay, so it's been planted there the entire time. So the movie is very good at kind of setting that up that Andre is always one step ahead about knowing where things are going to be. The future handpicked him out because obviously he's somebody that wants to end the world with this technology and the scientists that created it in the future kind of had that uh, Oppenheimer effect of like, we're making an atomic bomb here, man. What if it just like destroys everything around us? So naturally there is going to be somebody like that that wants to use nuclear energy and nuclear weapons for their own evil gain, much like how Andre wants to use the algorithm for his own evil gain in this movie. Yeah. And, uh, it, it the whole like Andre being one step ahead thing that it does happen so often that mm -hmm. I can understand why someone would get annoyed by it yeah. after a while because it, it, it's like that it, it's almost like that uh, a trope at that point where he just keeps doing it but it, it very much does keep to the like character of the movie where he is like the end of the world villain so of course he's gonna know like what's gonna happen next and stuff mm -hmm. uh, so I, I, I do like that about him yeah, Andre's good at that, and then, of course, what we find out from Sir Michael Crosby is that there was an explosion that happened two weeks ago that he talks about that was near Stulsk 12, and it was a burial of something, but they didn't know what it was. 
Well, that comes back towards the ending once John David Washington realizes, you know, this hypercenter that he talked about when we were going after the, the uh, 241 plutonium? Yeah, it turns out that piece is actually part of an algorithm that he's going to bury so when he kills himself, nobody can find it and the world collides and collapses. And so that was a great setup. I didn't think that story was going to matter when he's talking about, oh, Stolz 12 and he built his empire from there. But you do realize, no, he's also ending his empire there by basically collapsing the world and burying the algorithm. And it's very diabolical. That's why I say multiple viewings of this movie will help. Because I think if you watch it the first time, that's going to fly right by you and you're not going to understand how in the heck did they know that Stulk 12 is where they were going to bury the algorithm. Well, Sir Michael Caine talks about an event, an explosion that happened two weeks prior. And of course, I get it. The timeline is very screwed up in this movie for some people because they managed to be able to go back and also play out an event as it happens. And then Cat can go one way while they go another. I get all that uh, criticism. I get that's fair. But like, I will admit there is at least setup in this movie. If this movie was lazy and didn't explain any of that, I would have had a very hard time trusting in this movie yeah it, it's it definitely is hard to follow and if you try to think too much about it you're gonna get confused you're mm -hmm. gonna confuse yourself just trying to go too deep into thinking about it it's it's one of those movies where at a certain point you just have to accept some things at just the surface level mm -hmm. and uh, be like okay this is just a thing that's happening and I, i'm not gonna just dig further in. <laughs> yeah. So, like, for example, in this movie, the way that they do inversion, uh, the first time that we see it is when they go into the airport, and the two different, uh, uh, I guess you would say, antagonists come out. Uh, the one that's running straight forward is the one Robert Pattinson goes after, and the one that's running backwards and fighting John David Washington backwards. They fight for a little bit while we figure out that's John David Washington in the suit. And so, at the beginning of the movie, John David Washington is fighting his inverted self from the past, and then, guess what? Lo and behold, in the past, John David Washington goes through the turnstile, Robert Pattinson finds him on the other end, so that's all set up very, very well in this movie. We also get to see that again on the highway chase scene, obviously, because John David Washington is driving the car that has the algorithm piece that was thrown in it, and obviously that comes back to bite him because if he had never gotten in that car, Andre doesn't find the piece. Yes, Cat does die, but Andre can't find the final piece. He doesn't know where it went. Yeah. So it's a lot of moments like that that are very well set up. I will admit there is a part of this movie that got a little confusing still, which is the red room and blue room scene. The audio there is still horrible. Like, because what ends up happening is you can understand, like, he's talking in reverse and then the line is set in forward, but then... Like, he walks in at one point, beats him with the gun, asks, where did you put it? He goes to say something, they come in shooting at him, the audio just gets so blurred there where they're all talking over each yeah. other, I still have trouble trying to dis dissect what they're it, saying It's a well-done scene, <sighs> yeah. but as far as the audio goes, it's hard to understand. Yeah, and I think that's my biggest issue still watching, is the audio is just not great in this movie. I don't know what Nolan thinks. Does he just think, people care more about the score than they do the plot? Yeah. Because if that's the case, Nolan, I think you need to, like, have a committee sit down meeting and go well audiences understand loud noises or better action direction with audio intertwined because i think that he's now gotten to this level as a filmmaker where he's like everybody will understand me no matter like if it's too loud for them to understand they'll know what's going on and yeah i will say but like pieces of dialogue are still under uh, like important to understand and like that happens a majority of this movie where they'll talk too fast to each other or just the loud ludwig soundtrack is blaring over and you can't understand and it's just so bothersome to me in this movie because you want to hear what they're talking about you want to hear this exposition scene it's just like we get it it's a cool score i would most definitely listen to it after the movie but like come on let me hear a little bit yeah and as, as someone who has like issues with hearing like i i cannot hear very well mm -hmm. it does like get annoying when 
I'm trying to hear what someone's saying and it's either really quiet mm-hmm. and they're just like basically whispering and I'm like what what did they say yeah or it just all kind of like jumbles together with either the soundtrack or someone else talking in the background or something mm-hmm. yeah so to finish up with Andre's character here in the spoilers for him so basically as he has this whole plan play out and the algorithm is put together his plan is to go back to this final day that was like his true happiness with cat on a yacht I think it was in like Thailand or something or uh, Vietnam, Vietnam or something like that and so they sit out there on the boat and he's expecting everything to go the way it is because he's like oh this is the actual cat the one that's came back to apologize I won't think anything of it my plan will go forward of course he calls all of them when they're going through the whole inverted final action scene in the movie and yeah. John David Washington's like you'll kill us all you're a madman he's like no I'm a god I'm doing what's best for the future hopefully I'll be forgiven but then he doesn't realize like oh this is the cat that I shot she's still alive this is gonna bite me in the ass he gets shot he gets pushed off the boat in a pretty comical way that his yeah. body just hits the rail and I falls laughed the, in the first water. time I saw I laughed the second time I yeah saw I think I laughed all three times it's funny but like uh, he ends up failing obviously because he didn't account for future cat or I guess you would say past cat to still be alive to come bite his ass and stuff it'd be future cat I guess technically the but the timelines suck in this movie but like the thing about it is uh, I do like that because Andre ends up failing because he didn't think about yeah. his wife coming back to bite him in this movie and like that's something that really is interesting is the way that Nolan intertwines that a little bit. They save the day, they get the algorithm, it looks yeah. at one point, discount Tom Hardy's gonna kill him, and they're like, nah, just bury it and we'll go our separate ways. Yeah. So that's Andre in a I, nutshell. I, I found it interesting that he has one of the suicide pills because they set up earlier, actually, uh, with um, John David Washington yeah. that the suicide pills were, like, fake mm-hmm. and that they weren't actually uh, meant to kill you. They were just meant to kind of, like, fake it out. Yeah. So potentially what the suicide pill that he has is could just be a fake and he's not actually going to yeah. die from it. I, th- I thought that was really interesting that they set that up earlier in the movie, at almost the beginning, and then brought it back all the way at the end. Yeah. So let's get into John David Washington spoiler-wise. So, again, like we complained about, we don't get characterization for him much. He's the protagonist, literally, yeah, is his name. My main issue with John David Washington is just his some of his line delivery mm-hmm. is also kind of just really dry, or sometimes it's really just odd. Yeah. Um, other than that, I would say he did pretty well in this movie a lot of his uh, a lot of his like stunt acting was really good yeah he he does good obviously his dad denzel has been a veteran at doing roles like action movies forever and very good actor obviously nominated for of course doing malcolm x but like john's got a while before he lives up to his father's shoes i would say denzel has this filmography that will go on forever but like does great in the movie i would say like i said the thing that sucks about this movie is characterization so what we learn a little bit is that he's a cia pawn basically he has to move from MacGuffin A to MacGuffin B to move the plot forward. What we kind of learned spoiler-wise in the movie is that John David Washington himself is secretly actually a pawn in this game. He's supposed to help Andre get the 241, but also accidentally give it to him so that way they know where the algorithm will be and where it's buried. And of course, John David Washington hates that he's being used by Preda. He's like, so you couldn't have warned me about this. I couldn't have tried to prevent it. And of course, Neil warns at one point in the movie, well, we shouldn't try to interfere with the future. We should let just things just play out, let the past play out the way it does, because that could cause alternate timelines and things that kind of expand and go out of nowhere. And like, that's fair. I would say it's they try to keep it as least paradoxical as they can but like there are moments in it that just kind of made me go no but 
it's fine, I guess, for the most part. Um, anyways, John David Washington plays his part. He goes to, of course, the final part with the algorithm at the ending, and then he sits there and takes an exposition dump from Neil at the ending that I still don't like. So basically, Neil's like, you and I were friends in the future, but you also have a future in the past, and then your past is also present in the future, and you recruited me in the future, and you've actually been the one that's leading the pincer movement the entire time, and I'm like, whoa, 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 too much. Like, let's dial it back I, a little bit. I guess if they would have... Yeah, if they would have left that a little bit more vague, just being like, oh, like, uh, you'll see or something, you mm -hmm. know, just like doing a drop-off line like that, I guess it would have been more... I didn't necessarily mind that. I don't like that, because that's, well, to quote you, paradoxical. I, I guess I, I just didn't mind it, because it I didn't bother me okay. in any way. This will be my endgame moment, where, like, you claim paradoxical, but, like, I don't like that, because the movie could have ended, like you said, with just, you'll see what happens, but then it's like, yeah. you have a past in the future, and you were the one that recruited me, and the pincer movement is in the past, but also the future, and the future comes back, and I'm like, please, Neil, stop, just walk off the frame and go away. See, that that didn't really bother me, because I didn't have too much of a, a issue understanding, because it, it made sense, because he, he knew that you come back to the past, and then you recruit I know, but me, and all this stuff but so why does he say a past in the future and then that he's been the one planning it and then they go on a little bit more about how he, john david washington is kind of in the pawn that should have known like they kind of muddle it at the ending for me i i, I guess i didn't have an, a hard time understanding it because it didn't really get that muddled for me i understood okay. it when he explained it all right well then i guess another thing i'll point out too is there are a lot of moments in the timeline in this movie where it's like Cat is going one way in the future, they're kind of doing the event that plays out in their timeline, and like that's where the timelines get a little shifty, and Nolan tr kind of plays the time game a little bit, where they skip around a little bit, they go back to past events that play out for the present and stuff, and there are some moments in there, obviously, that kind of don't make sense, because they do talk about grandfather paradoxes, they do talk about how timelines can shift if you interfere with the past, and like, that's a problem with Endgame, is Endgame didn't commit to stuff like that, and this movie doesn't either, it messes around with the past and the present timelines a lot, it makes some things paradoxical that kind of branch off a little bit. And you notice that the more times you watch this movie, like, it bugs me so much. Because it's hard to do a time movie like this and try and craft something that isn't as paradoxical as it gets. I, I will say this. So, there were definitely times when the time would, uh, line would just get a little bit wonky. Mm -hmm. And they just it just seemed like they didn't know exactly what to do with some things. Uh, and I, I definitely fault the movie for that. Because if I'm watching it and it just... It, it, and I noticed that it's just gonna bother me. Mm -hmm. uh, but that that was that was probably like one of the few complaints I had about the timeline is that occasionally it would get wonky. It gets very wonky sometimes. But like, uh, so to continue on, basically Neil, what we discover, the guy who's had the orange tassel has been him. Like we said, he was at the beginning of the theater, and he's also there at one point at the ending when there's a corpse that gets inverted shot through the head as it stands back up and we discover that's been neil and john tries for a moment to be like hey i could warn you about what's going to happen but he decides to let it play out and then somehow neil in the future is going to be there because they leave it kind of vague there like neil's going to be there planted for it he's the best locksmith but like never go in further detail past that because no one's like let's just wrap it up here a little bit let's get the uh, narrative flowing but also still to kind of keep it spoiler uh spoiler free-ish 
the characterization still sucks for a lot of characters in this movie. You don't learn a whole lot about Neil. You don't learn a whole lot about John David Washington. You don't learn a whole lot about Cat. Cat might be the one you latch onto the most because of the motivation for her to want to keep her son safe and away from Andre. Andre, you get a little vagueness in there a little bit. Like, obviously, he's dying of pancreatic cancer. He wants to build a future and a life for himself where nobody can have his wife and child. But, like, that's the thing. Compared to, like, Inception, The Dark Knight, Memento, Interstellar, I would even say Dunkirk at some points. Like, the characterization's a bit better there than this movie all around. I will say that uh, I would have liked more, like, develop the development in some of the characters uh, mm-hmm. for this movie. And some of the characters in this movie just were there for plot convenience. Yes. Like, Michael Caine he was just there <laughs> yeah. for plot convenience. Himish was, Patel's there for Himish plot Patel, at least he did something. Michael Caine just sat there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Himish Patel, I... He could have been anybody. Um, that uh, Indian woman, she at least, she had some integral role into the movie, but again, she could have just been any like no face, and it still would have worked. Yeah, that's the thing with Tenet. It's a lot of like if you want to go in for a fun time experience, sure you'll get that. Just make sure you watch it once or twice because you want to be able to understand everything that's going on. There are some paradoxical elements to it. There are some moments in the movie of characterization that you're not going to get that you would want and expect from Nolan sometimes in the movie and the audio direction. That's that's what's going to be that turns a lot of people off because I know that is a complaint that has been going around for a while, which is why, you know, if it gets the Academy a nomination because there ain't much coming out this year nomination-wise, I would kind of be iffy on giving it to it because I'm just going to think, man, I couldn't understand what people were saying in this movie. If it, if it gets it, if it gets the nomination for, like, sound direction or something, I wouldn't. No, I would not uh, in the slightest. If, like, maybe best movie I could see just because it's one of the better ones that have come out this year. Yeah, I think there's one on Netflix that just came out. Um, but did it get a theatrical release? They don't care, because remember, uh, they qualified this know. year. I don't think <laughs> the um, but yeah, there's one on Netflix that I'm going to hopefully see this year that everybody's been saying this should win Best Picture, so I'll watch it at some point. But like, what do we have the rest of the year to look forward to? Um, Candyman? Um, there's Candyman. No Time to Die? There's this new trailer for a new Robert De Niro movie that we probably won't be seeing this year because it's probably not going to come out this year probably not uh dune maybe the dune's the one that's getting all the praise right now dune maybe um i love dennis vela nueva love his films love blade runner 2049 love arrival you'll watch him someday hopefully no probably not um, (laughs) there's i mean like did the the five bloods came out this year that's definitely something that could be up for a nomination yeah i don't think it'll be best picture because spike never wins best picture so but we'll see there's a lot that comes out this year that'll probably get I'm probably not gonna focus on the oscars no next year anyways it's I gonna don't be give a, a shit yeah brian's more of a music guy debatably <laughs> you're gonna I open def- a record label i definitely know music yeah uh but that's the thing tenant spoiler wise we've kind of gone over everything that we can uh so if you've seen the movie you kind of sat here and dissected it a little bit with us who knows what Nolan's gonna make next? Uh, could it be another movie about dreams inside of dreams, He's time travel? With Quentin Tarantino on his last movie. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? But like, that'd be fucking the two guys that like film the most. Mm-hmm. Like they like using actual film reels. Yeah. So we'll have to see. I don't know what Nolan will do next. But yeah, uh, I'll be back later with a small podcast to talk about revisiting the Nolan films because I probably I'm going to go over revisiting each of them and then talking about my thoughts. Like I said, I've got to figure out if this movie is a good five tier or six tier. It's going to be a while. I probably won't sit on it until I actually do that podcast, but 
This is a good Mullen movie. It's a good movie. Don't go see it in theaters if you're afraid of Corona, but if you don't care at this point, go watch it. Are you going to um, do a podcast for all of the Adam Sandler movies that you're going to be watching? No. I mean, I might, because that prod- Like Hubie Halloween? I can't believe that's actually coming out. You know, and I don't fault him. It looks, it looks actually like it might not be horrible. It looks like it's going to be laughably bad. But yeah. Because he's doing his stupid voices it looks, again. It looks, it looks fun, at least. It looks, it's going to be bad, I know it, but like, what but am I going to do? It looks fun, but it's going to be bad. I don't know. Literally, I think I'm on Get Him to Zohan right now. Is that where I am on the timeline? I, I think. Know. Meet the Zohan? Meet the Zohan, something like that. I don't know. But like, I got through his first two great comedies, then I got through Punch Drunk Love, and I'm like, oh, he's such a great actor, and then it's just like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh no. So, so we'll have um, to see, but thank you guys for listening. You're going to watch the Grown Ups movies eventually. <sighs> no, don't remind me of that. But anyways, we spent too much time on Tenet. Uh, I will see you guys next time with another podcast. I don't know what it's going to be all over because, like I said, there is like a huge gap for what's coming out next. Who knows when Brian will be back? Like I said, no. he kind of informs me when there's a movie he wants to talk about, but we'll have to see. And that's kind of the future right now. The podcast is just wait and see. But thank you guys for listening to Tenet Spoilers. See you next